We're going to go ahead and pray now, and I'm going to get into our sermon scripture, which is 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 5 through 9. But first, let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for sustaining us another week, providing for us, keeping us safe, uh, enabling us to still minister in the midst of the stay-home order in our state. We submit ourselves to you now and to your word and ask that you would speak to us clearly and plainly, that you would help us to be responsive to your word and continue to form us into your people during these extraordinary times. Thank you for those who are watching right now. Thank you for those who will watch later. And we even thank you for those who, who will not be able to watch at all, that are still part of our church family that we love. And just pray for your blessings over your church. In Jesus' name, amen. So our sermon passage is 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 5 through 9. This next paragraph, as we work our way through 2 Corinthians, uh, gives us a further glimpse into the conflict between Paul and the Corinthian Christians. Uh, and by looking into this conflict further, we're going to get some insight into how to navigate conflict as Christians. You are somewhere on the scale of conflict averse. You absolutely hate conflict, want nothing to do with it, and conflict crazy. Some people love conflict. Even if they wouldn't say they love it, they just sort of thrive in the chaos of conflict. They're getting into conflict all the time. I do not understand you people who love conflict. I'm way over here, conflict averse. Um, but it happens because we are sinful people. And even among the church, we have conflict sometimes. And wouldn't it be just an amazing blessing if we came out of this time of isolation from one another as the church way stronger relationally and maybe even restored in some of our relationships that have been broken apart through conflict. So let's go ahead and have a prayerful spirit as we get into this passage because God may reveal to you a relationship that has been fractured by conflict, a fellow Christian that you no longer are united with in spirit. And he may reveal to you some action steps that you can take to resolve that conflict and bring the relationship back together in peace again. So uh, before we read it, just a reminder, some of you maybe haven't been with us for all of our devotions and sermons in 2 Corinthians. Paul has talked a lot about comfort and affliction in the book of 2 Corinthians. Uh, his big message about it is, yes, Christians do experience affliction, stress, trouble. And yes, even apostles experience affliction. And that doesn't delegitimize our ministry. It's just a fact of life, and God uses that affliction. So that's his first point. Yes, Christians do experience affliction. His second point that he has made in the book is that God always comforts us when we do experience affliction. God's comfort always rises to meet the challenge of whatever affliction we're facing. And then here comes a, an additional point that he's going to build off of this idea. And it's that he's saying to the Corinthians, you, you Corinthians, who really have been a great source of affliction for me because of all of the, our conflict, are actually a source of God's comfort for me as well. That's the point he's making in this paragraph. 
these folks who have been antagonists to Paul and a thorn in his side in many ways are actually part of the way God has comforted him in the midst of the affliction. So let's get started with verse 5. For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. So if you might kind of remember, the Corinthians wanted Paul to come to them to deal with this conflict in person but instead, he ended up going to Macedonia first. He had wanted to go to Corinth on his way to Macedonia, but instead he ended up going on to Macedonia. And what he's saying here is Macedonia was no cakewalk. It wasn't like I was skirting around you guys to go on some Macedonian vacation where I was going to relax and it was going to be easy and great. It was rough. He said our bodies had no rest. It was physically unrelenting. We were afflicted at every turn. There was pressure and stress on us. Whatever we did, wherever we went, the ministry there was hard. He says in this great phrase, there was fighting without and fear within. Some of you know exactly what that feels like when you're in a, a season of turmoil. Paul's saying Macedonia was a season of turmoil. It was not easy going. It was further affliction for us when we were not with you. But God did comfort us. And he comforted us through you, which these Corinthians might not have expected. They may not have thought that they could have been any source of comfort to Paul in light of their conflict. But he says, you were. So let's read on into verses 6 and 7. But God, who comforts the downcast, which could, I think, be translated depressed even. I think that it was emotionally difficult on Paul and his uh, partners in Macedonia. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And I'll explain why that's significant in a minute. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you. As he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced still more. So here's the situation. Paul trying to minister to these Christians in Corinth, and it's, it's not going great. They have a lot of issues in Corinth, which many of you Doolins Grovers will remember from our study of 1 Corinthians. They were a very troubled church. So he's had to have harsh words with them. And this seems to have come to a climax in this second letter that we don't have a copy of that Paul sent to the Corinthians via Titus. So it looks like he sent this harsh letter that really it was bold and got right to the point and um, was it was called a painful letter a letter of tears Paul sent that to the Corinthians through Titus and so he is eagerly awaiting Titus to come back and report to Paul how the Corinthians received it what their response was going to be that's why he was so eager to see Titus he mentioned that a couple chapters earlier as well and I don't know if we clarified why he wanted to see Titus he was dying to know how the Corinthians received his harsh, bold letter of correction. And you know that feeling, many of you. Uh, you've had a delicate conversation going by email or by text, and then you've sent kind of a bold, going out on a limb message. Let's just say it's by text. 
And then you're waiting and you're waiting for the response. And while you're waiting, your imagination goes wild, wondering how they're receiving it. Are they reading into it things that you didn't mean? Are they misunderstanding it? Are they so angry that they're never going to respond? They're just done with the relationship? Are they going to respond in, in a fury of rage about it? Uh, some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Some of you are free from this kind of anxiety about relationships. Uh, but many of you know this waiting. That's what Paul was experiencing in the midst of difficult ministry in Macedonia. In the back of his mind, he was wondering, what are the Corinthians going to say in response to this letter that I sent? And to his great relief, when Titus came, he came bringing a good report that the Corinthians responded with longing, mourning, and zeal. So this is why the Corinthians were actually a great source of comfort to Paul in Macedonia. Their response to the letter was comforting to him. So for one, their longing was comforting. Uh, this, this idea of longing is uh, a notion of eagerness plus affection. It's the idea that they, they wanted to see Paul. They longed for Paul. They could have read that harsh letter and said, I never want to see Paul again. I'm done with Paul. But instead, it stirred up in them an affection for Paul and a desire to see him. And that was a great comfort to him because he loved them in that same way. Uh, secondly, their mourning comforted him. In other words, they were sorrowful. They were sorry for their part in the conflict. Many of you have been in conflict with people, and when you, you go out on a limb and you just finally honestly tell them what it is that has hurt you in the conflict, instead of their responding in sorrow and apology, they respond with self-justification and instead throwing the blame back on you. And the Corinthians could have done that, but they didn't. They responded sorrowfully, and that comforted Paul. And then thirdly, your zeal for me. Uh, in other words, they were concerned about Paul. And that was a great comfort to him because he was concerned about them and he loved them and he wanted the relationship to be restored. And their response to the letter seemed to indicate that that's what they wanted too. Huge relief for Paul. Many of you know that feeling of relief when it looks like you're, you're going to be able to work through the conflict and get to the other side. And it means that all the grief caused all the pain caused by working through that conflict was worth it. And that's what he indicates in the last two verses, verses 8 and 9. For even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I see that that letter grieved you, though only for a while. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting, for you felt a godly grief, so that you suffered no loss through us. So this word grieve, it's a sorrow word. It's a deep emotional pain kind of word. Um, Paul never wanted to hurt them. And it sounds like he initially maybe had some second thoughts about that second letter. Maybe that's why it's not included in the canon of scripture. I don't know. Uh, but it sounds like he did have some regret because he knew it was painful for them to read those words. But at the same time, he didn't regret it because now he sees that it prompted them to repent through godly grief. And it prompted a, a progress through the conflict to the other side where there would be a restored relationship. Um, conflict 
as painful as it is, it makes relationships stronger on the other end. It's like building muscle. To build muscle, you have to rip it. You have to tear the muscle, and that's what causes it to build, come back stronger on the other end. That's what conflict does for Christian relationships, and that's what Paul is rejoicing in here, that he and the Corinthians are going to come back stronger than they were before because of the conflict. So that's the passage for this morning's message. The bottom line takeaway for us is it is better to painfully fight for our relationships than to give up on them. Now, I'm talking here specifically about Christian relationships. I'm talking about fellowship and unity among the body of Christ. Although these principles have application beyond that to our relationships with others that are not Christians, family and friends and co-workers, but here it's really talking about Christian relationships. It's better to painfully fight for our relationships with each other rather than give up on them. Even though giving up on them may seem like seem like the painless way to go. Um, Paul could have given up on his relationship with these Christians in Corinth. He absolutely could have. He, he could have sent that second letter that harsh, bold second letter, and it could have been like a mic drop letter where he's, I've said my piece and now I'm turning away and I'm going to go on. Uh, ministry was fruitful in other places, as we've seen in the letter. Uh, he could have blocked them. He could have told Titus, you send the letter, but I don't even care how they respond. I don't want to hear from them ever again. He could have unfriended them, uh, but he didn't. He painfully pursued the relationship uh, because Christian relationships are valuable, and they matter. Remember, Jesus said that this is how the world will know that you're my disciples, by the love that you have for one another. It's the identifying mark of Christians that we should be able to work through any conflict and just further strengthen our relationships. There really should not become a conflict between Christians so great that we cannot resolve it eventually. Uh, we, We should not settle for anything less than full reconciliation among Christians. Uh, If the relationships were not so valuable, then it might be okay to let them go when they get painful, but they are valuable. If you're in the Walmart parking lot and you drop a penny and it rolls underneath a minivan among the, the chewing gum that people spat out and the oil drops and the who knows what and the diapers that people left there, you're not gonna belly crawl underneath that minivan to get that penny. It's just not worth it. But if you drop a $100 bill and a little gust of wind blows it underneath that same minivan, I don't know about you, but I would probably belly crawl underneath that minivan or find a stick or something. I would get that $100 bill because it's worth it. Christian relationships are worth it. They're worth the pain of conflict to reconcile and to stay united and to show the world the unique love that we have for one another. That's borne out all through Scripture. I had a bunch of Scriptures lined up, but I think that this passage is sufficient for this morning. Now, some of you might be feeling anxious just even thinking about this. I I took a conflict management class. I didn't realize how conflict-averse I was until I took that class, and I had anxiety just going to that class, just talking about conflict made me feel anxious. And some of you might feel that right now. I'm with you. I don't love conflict. Um, really any more than I love trying to go to the gym to, to build muscle, which obviously I'm not doing a lot of that right now and during the pandemic, but 
The Bible says it's worth it. That it's worth it to fight through conflict to restore our relationships. Um, so I think an appropriate way for us to close our time together is to ask God through the Holy Spirit to examine us and reveal to us uh, if there's any steps we need to take toward resolving conflict with our Christian brothers and sisters, toward seeking reconciliation with any Christian brothers and sisters that we are now um, fractured and broken apart from due to conflict. And I recognize that these are complex issues. Relationships are highly nuanced and complicated. I realize that in our modern church, we have access to probably, I, I would think, more Christian acquaintances than the Christians of Paul's day would have. Through social media, you, you can still communicate with a Christian that you met 30 years ago and don't even really know. So it can be difficult to navigate and understand how much work is needed to put into all these different relationships that are available to us. Um, so, so I'm not putting down any blanket rules here for you based on this passage. Instead, I'm suggesting that we ask God to reveal to us if there is anything we need to do to make things right between us and any of our Christian brothers or sisters. Um, and I'm, I'm going to point out five words from the passage that we just read to help us along in this process. Um, the first word is that word longing. Paul was relieved to find that the Corinthians longed to see him again. So as we're letting the Holy Spirit search our hearts here, um, not going on a witch hunt to try to stir up trouble and try to just almost come up with a relationship to restore, but trusting that the Holy Spirit will show us if there is a relationship we need to work toward restoring. Are there any fellow Christians that you do not want to see ever again? I think that's a good question in light of this passage as we do some self-evaluation. Are there any Christians that we do not want to see ever again? The second word is mourning. Paul was comforted by the fact that the Corinthians were sorry for their part in the conflict. Is there any behavior toward a fellow Christian that you regret? Any of your behavior? So if you might think back through some painful and difficult relationships you may have had with some Christians, is there any behavior on your part that you regret? It may be that there's something that you should apologize for, even if the greater conflict wasn't your fault, and even if their part was worse, if their contribution to the conflict was worse, it may still be that you have some regrettable behavior that you can take a step toward making right just by humbly apologizing. The third word is zeal. Paul was comforted by the fact that the Corinthians uh, were stirred up with a zeal for him, that they were concerned about him. So the question here is, are there any Christians that you just don't care about anymore? Because of conflict and difficulty, you don't even care what happens to them now. Uh, if so, that may be something you need to pray through. There may be some forgiveness you need to offer. The fourth word is grief. Uh, and here, I just want to point out that even though it may be painful, do ask God if there's any step you need to take after asking those first three questions. Don't turn away because it's grievous, because it's painful. There may be something great on the other side of that pain if the Holy Spirit is stirring anything in you right now. And then the fifth word is repentance. Paul was so glad that the Corinthians uh, 
that the pain and the grief of the conflict moved them to repent of their sin in the conflict. So as we're praying about this together as individuals, um, the Holy Spirit may bring to mind some sin in your life or in your past that contributed to conflict. And the thing to do there is to repent, to turn away from it, to ask God's forgiveness, possibly ask those people's forgiveness, depending on how the Spirit's leading you, and to turn away from it. It is worth it to fight for our Christian relationships because they are valuable. It is better to painfully fight for our relationships as Christians rather than give up on them. And so I'd like to pray for us now, and then I'll remain available for any comments you might want to share, things you might want to discuss, or questions you might want to ask. But let's pray first. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, it feels like you are a good father talking to us about an uncomfortable subject. Uh, we don't like conflict. We like everything to be peaceful all the time. And sometimes we can pursue a false peace by avoiding conflict that is uh, on our doorstep and unavoidable. So would you please search our hearts and reveal to us if there's any steps we need to take to seek unity and love and restored relationships in the body of Christ. Help us not to fall uh, prey to the accuser. Help us not to experience any false guilt. Help us to live in full joy and freedom in light of the fact that there's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. But at the same time, help us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and to uh, have the faith in you to be courageous if there's steps we need to take. In Jesus' name, amen.